Hello and welcome back for another podcast episode of Acido Magazine. My name is Emil Shentürk and today I'm going to talk about, once again, the Israel-Palestine conflict. But this time I'm going to make some predictions or forecasts of how this um, yeah, whole conflict is going to evolve. So let's get started. Israel-Palestine conflict is something that is always coming up and, and flaming up um, yeah, every now and then, uh, every couple of years. I think around the 90s um, and yeah, in the early 2000s, there was also a very intense uh, phase where both sides were clashing um, against each other. And recently, we have seen that this is not something that has been uh, resolved over the last couple of years, but is constantly flaming up. For example, in 2001, there was this incident um, at the Al-Aqsa Mosque in um, whatever you want to call it, uh, now Palestine or Israel, um, in Jerusalem, uh, nonetheless. And there we had a big clash between those two sides. And everyone now is asking, what is going to happen? And how um, are we going to have a result or a solution to all this? Well, as we have seen, the main phase of the fighting and um, of the emotional approach to this conflict or this war is kind of you know slowing down. We see it in the media. There's less coverage. We are talking less about what is going on there. There's still some you know daily coverage, but less uh, intense in terms of emotional uh, journalism. That has been, um, you know, uh, portraying this this whole scene in a certain light. This doesn't mean that fighting is over. Um, I mean, currently there is a ceasefire and they are trying to extend it. But everyone is asking um, the question, "What is the solution?" And I think, and I've said this in in many other um, at many other occasions as well. Um, may it be my book Devlet, which I always uh, link in the description um, or articles that I've uh, written over the last couple of years, my bachelor thesis that I've wrote about the founding of Israel, actually. This is an ethnic conflict and ethnic conflicts are characterized by the problematic that two peoples, you know, try to claim the same land. And because this is not possible for one side or for both sides to live um, within the same territory, and feel at home there and develop and kind of push for national and social um, development within those borders, one side needs to win. And this is the sad truth about ethnic conflicts. The problem within that constellation is, um, well, it's not, it's not a problem. It, it's a problem depending on uh, which side you are, but... The interesting characteristic is that Israel always has been the stronger side. Reason for that is not only because they have been supported by the United States so greatly, but they also have an internal, uh, internally very strong organization. During the last couple of decades and um, since basically since the founding of Israel, they have been great in um, developing, um, yeah, inner 
military mobilization and organization around a common, uh, a common core and a common sense of where they want to grow as a nation, which hasn't uh, happened with the Palestinians, um, unfortunately for them, because there is kind of a split up between those who are more radical and those who are more moderate, you know, who want to um, yeah, go for the diplomatic means within that conflict. And this is a great mismatch that, and this is one of the first predictions that I'm, that I'm making, we are going to see a gradual defeat of Palestine uh, due to the dynamic or the power structure that has been prevalent, but also that has been reinforced by, yeah, kind of the inaction of Palestinians on the other side of the great um, efforts that Israelis have put in into defending um, basically their um, their position towards Palestine, obviously with, with a lot of support and. The difference between ethnic conflicts and other conflicts is in other conflicts, for example, if you have um, border conflicts due to um, you know, terrorist attacks, as it was the case with uh, Syria and Turkey, uh, Turkey, and uh, there you have the problem that, for example, terrorist organizations are at the border, there has been a military in intervention, security zone has been installed, everything fine. Then you have economic warfare. Obviously, the United States of America did this a lot of times, always lost, um, cost them a lot of money. Last they did it uh, was in Afghanistan, for example. Didn't work out. And then there's ideological warfare, also something very temporal, because at some point your ideology is not going to be strong enough to kind of uphold this war. We can think about the Cold War, uh, where all the proxy wars were fought between the Soviet Union and the United States. So they didn't actually engage in fighting a lot of times, but um, their proxies were, they were supporting them or maybe even with, with um, yeah, uh, troops and all that. But in the end, the ideology was not strong, to, uh, not so strong that they could overcome basically um, long-term fighting and sustain it, basically. So this is where ethnic conflict is or territorial conflict is different. Well, territorial, territorial conflict in the sense of territorial gains, conquest, something that is very prominent in history books and we all always hear about and read about it, is something that is also not sustainable because in the end you're invading into another territory which has been culturally and historically someone else's. And it would take millennia to kind of hold that territory and make it your own and claim it your own. Yeah? For example, um, we can think about the um, uh, Napoleonic Wars. Um, we can think uh, about the Roman Empire. You know, These are all conquests. Uh, they couldn't uh, upkeep it because they're basically governing um, territories that they are not yeah, culturally... Um, administering so social policy uh, and everything is not going to work there first of all and second of all these people don't want them there but ethnic conflict as we have in Israel and Palestine here is very difficult because they have no other place to go and when you have your back against the wall you are basically bound to fight now we might argue to say well Israelis came later but in the end their religion 
prohibits them. It's not prohibition, but in the end, it's a vision that basically drives them back to Israel. So in order to be a good Jew, you have to go back and fight for the free Israel. So this is a very strong component. If you are educated by your elders to think that way, it is obvious that you're going to fight for this cause. On the other hand, Palestinians, they have really no place to go because they claimed or they, they have lived um, there basically for all their lives, um, didn't know any other place, don't have any other administrative and, and um, yeah, government structure. Um, all the structure they had were kind of uh, the legacy of the Ottoman Empire, which they rejected and turned against actually once it became the Republic of Turkey. So they have no place to go and all the other Arab states, uh, except for Jordan, you know, they are helping uh, Palestinians out massively. But all the other Arab states, they are, they are not very supportive of it. So they also have to fight. And because Palestinians didn't develop a strong organization or um, diplomatic um, foundation at that point or up until now, they will also have the problem in the future that they are going to be militarily inferior to Israel, but they don't also have anything to put against on the immaterial side, except for all the social media support they've received so far. But the problem, and this is a very paradoxical situation, because there has been so much social media support for Palestine, people think, and this is the deeper psychology behind that, they think they did something for Palestine actually, but they didn't. The situation is still the same. Now nobody is talking about it. The free Palestine hashtags are getting um, lesser by the day. And people react that way because they have this dramatic thing, you know, on their daily agenda that they talked about and there has been um, a yeah, massive uh, discussion around it. And now it's getting lesser, people forgetting about it. But when they think back at it, they say, well, at that time, you know, I was so supportive of Palestine but it didn't actually do for uh, do anything for them. So there has not been any diplomatic pressure uh, nor any political results. So what I think and what is going to happen is that Palestine is going to be um, history within the next, let's say, yeah, 50 years maybe. Yeah? At some point I was a bit more... Um, yeah, I was a bit more long-term in my orientation of their fading, but something um, actually very important uh, came across my mind, and this is the human factor. Now, the human factor is something that in contemporary political systems is a very prominent feature. In this case, we are talking about Benjamin Netanyahu, and even though he is somebody who actually has the vision for his people, the Israelis, and unite them um, within the whole territory of their claimed holy land. Um, he also has such a character, he has a very egocentric character in that sense that he also wants to be the man responsible for uniting Israel. You can see this in his mannerisms. He, he's extremely confident, he's extremely educated and he obviously received training from 
the best agents in the world in public speaking, in um, rhetoric and strategy. He's actually someone who served in the army for quite some time, so he also has um, the knowledge about the military. Obviously uh, trained in history and so on and so forth. So he's a very yeah, well-shaped um, or how can you say, well-trained politician without uh, normative assessment, just on a technical basis, without uh, assessing his character. But now, when we turn to his character, this is a situation, if you are in power for so long, and he actually had a phase where he, and I wrote about it uh, actually in January, where I also predicted this event happening, interestingly, it was um, January 29th, I think, published on acida.com, where I also said that Netanyahu is going to be uh, more radical about his approach towards Palestine, and it turned out to be right. But what I wanted to say is that somebody who has this kind of training and who is very confident and who has the self-awareness to put himself in context with other people and other politicians and there we have to say he ranks quite high, uh, highly because he is present, he can talk, he can convince, he has the best uh, intelligence serv uh, service or intelligence agency um, as a support and he also has the support of the United States. This does something to you and what it does to, or what it did to him is that he sees himself as the man to unite Israel. And this is quite dangerous because if somebody um, at his age is still thinking like that, he doesn't have much time and he knows that too. So his radical approach that he is currently adopting and which is leading to this war is going to intensify. Obviously, in the current situation, they need to tone, um, tone this whole operation down a bit, right? in order so everything can consolidate, they can make territorial gains, rebuild some stuff, also, um, you know, recollect themselves, establish the situation in the new territories they gained through the military operations. And this is the aim, basically. They've driven out so many Palestinians. The whole situation and um, the whole, um, yeah, drama needs to, yeah, needs to... Um, be a little bit less yeah, than uh, or compared to the beginning of this conflict. And in a couple of years, let's say one or two, maybe three years, he will come back with yeah, a medium-sized operation, maybe just more the idea of, of going into the um, settling policy a bit more aggressively because this is something that is not that present in global media. But then... Um, he plans the final operation, I think, and this is something that I just, from the analysis of his character, think is going to happen, that he will then initiate a final offensive, um, drive out the remaining Palestinians, um, recapture the West Bank, uh, recapture Gaza, going to establish whole Israel there, and then maybe he has a couple of years left consolidating his situation and his wish I think is to be in the history books of someone or the man basically who um, 
united Israel for his people. And putting it into this context, um, which I think is very realistic, if we think that he also even overcame his own democratic government, you know, to reestablish and reinstall himself um, into power and in parliament, I think he can and will do it. But the reason why I said that the Palestinians will, you know, kind of be history, at least within their territory over the next 50 years, is that they always and obviously want to um, keep pushing to come back, maybe also with in increased help of other nations. But in the end, um, if the situation remains the same, and I don't see it changing because Israel is also um, militarily advancing in technology, um, and as I said, with the massive support they receive from Europe and um, the United States of America, I think they will be able to unite Israel or unite in their terms, basically, and then also defend it for a very long time. So we might have a very historic event in a negative sense within the century or maybe in the next decade. Yeah, so um, not much time left there. This is the situation or this is my forecast. Um, I don't see it going any other way. And um, yeah, the only, only thing that Palestinians at this point can do is they need to they need to recollect uh, their resources from abroad. So there are lots of Palestinians um, abroad in the Arab countries or in Europe or basically within the whole world, right? Um, they need to be organize themselves better and work extremely hard to to make um, um, yeah to build up a, a solid defense and. Uh, at this point, I don't see it happening. And also, they are against a very powerful enemy. What would that do to the Middle East? Um, this may be my final question that I want to answer or maybe discuss a little bit here. I think once Israel completely drove out all the Palestinians, for the first couple of years, it's going to be very, very calm in the Middle East. Now think about it that way. Israel has made a move or would make then a move that brings them closer to their or basically establishes um, its goal as a united country or united um, um, nation in the sense of the Torah, their religious script. This obviously is would have been done then in this situation at the expense of an Arab nation and the Arab nations around Israel would then want to kind of, you know, it's kind of a wake up call, you know, maybe then they will do something about it, economic warfare, military warfare, whatever, maybe also uh, cutting off all the supply lines to Israel because they basically, um, yeah, they are basically surrounded uh, by those nations, I don't know. But the next couple of years after Israel establishes or captures all the Palestinian lands, um, they would, yeah, they would want to relax a bit, you know, and um, keep a low profile for a couple of years. 
But then, at, yeah, maybe 10 years later, yeah, 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years later, Israel will then make the next plan to advance. And I'm pretty sure that the direction is going to be northwards. They already captured the Golan Heights in the turmoil of the Syrian civil war. So I think their direction might be towards Damascus, which is um, also one of the weaker enemies in the in the region. Egypt, they wouldn't want to touch it. Also, Egypt um, does not hold a very um, yeah positive place in uh, Jewish history. So they would rather move towards um, towards Damascus um, or maybe. Um, Iraq, but I don't think that this is going to be easy because you know we have whole Jordan in between. Um, Jordan and Israel relations are okay, yeah, um, for the proximity they have. So I don't think Jordan would be much of um, of an interesting target there, but Syria would be, and maybe. Um, but I mean, this is something that you know. Um, is very hard to forecast is um, that they would then go in the direction of Lebanon or something like that, right? But the expansion and the capturing of land is very important for the Israeli nation because it holds such a historic place. You know, in all those places, we have very interesting um, stories that we found in the Torah and Basically, those lands are labeled as um, as holy and uh, belonging to um, to Israelis. So I don't think that is that they're going to stop there once they establish their um, their own nation fully in their um, yeah, in their perspective. And then this is obviously also going to trigger um, yeah more aggression from Iran at that point. Um, Iran being one of the more proactive um, opponents of Israel in the region. So I think this is also going to be uh, fueling um, the conflict there. As I said, these are my forecasts. I mean, those ideas or those um, yeah, predictions on the later future um, are kind of you know up to discussion. But with regards to what I said about Netanyahu and the closer history of yeah the next couple of years, there's going to be like a, a medium-sized uh, clash between those sides. And then later on, we'll see once again a huge escalation. But at this point, you know, I think Netanyahu is going to go all in, establish um, or realize his vision and then crown himself as the hero of Israel who freed the nation, in his view. So, this is what I think is going to happen. Again, this is there's no um, value attached to it. This is just my technical analysis of the situation. Um, obviously, non-desirable from an international perspective. It's going to fire up um, many debates. It's going to, yeah, also split. Um, split many societies abroad for example in Europe where we have very multicultural um, societies 
and there are already yeah, big tensions because of an issue that is so far away from them. It's not going to be good for international climate um, in very long, in the very long run, right? Um, in a situation where everyone has, uh, is basically used to this new map of Israel, then the situation might change um, as it has always um, in history, you know, territories changed over, over the decades and, and millennia and centuries. So this is not going to be, going to be a problem in the very long run. But, you know, for the next couple of years or next 50 years, we are going to carry this problem with us. And on a final note, because this is a topic that is coming up all the time, all the time, I just want to give you um, a heads up or, you know, just a tip how to how to, to how to react and uh, how to approach this whole issue and i think the best thing to do here is really to stay neutral and um really reflect your emotions in that conflict or whenever this conflict pops up reason for that is that i've noticed that Whenever we talk about this conflict, it's always very emotional. It's always a matter of the Jewish uh, people accuse everyone of uh, anti-Semitism and the Arabs um, accuse everyone else of, of racism because they're not helping them and just helping or, or uh, ignoring them, basically. All those things. And then we see the pictures of, of children dying and hospitals burning and so on and so forth. This is something that is very peculiar to this conflict. And whenever something very emotionally um, moving and dynamic and energetic happens, in whatever sense, positive or negative, you will have to reflect your own feelings because if you see those things, there's a reason why you're seeing them. And there's a reason why you should react in a certain way those pictures and those articles they trigger something and because they trigger something somebody wants you to feel in a certain way do the exact opposite and then you'll be fine so that's about it for this episode uh, i hope you enjoyed it and then i hope to see you next time for another podcast episode so uh, i enjoyed it a lot once again Thank you very much for listening. Take care and bye.